Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so you know that feeling in old cars where you had the key in the ignition but it just wouldn't spring to life? Well, the season's becoming a bit like that. It's yet another week of doldrums for a majority of managers. Uh, well done if you have escaped uh, the misery a little bit. Um, almost made us reconsider just republishing the pod from a couple of weeks ago and just getting on with things. But you know what, we decided uh, to resist the urge to be lazy and instead we're here to continue the inquest and hope for a great big beautiful tomorrow. Uh, joined today by Nick, a uh, very busy and tired looking Nick. Uh, how are you? Yeah, not bad. Thank you, Tom. Um, recovered from chicken pox. Um, thankfully, as um, many of the people that listen to our uh, pods with um, Planet FPL, I was a bit waylaid, a bit ill. Um, my son was ill as well, but both of us are healthy and on the mend, which is good news. Um, just to say who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL. Um, and you can also find myself at WGTA underscore Nick. Um, and make sure to... Listen and subscribe uh, via the usual pods repository, Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, whatever. Um, so what are we talking about today, Tom? Cool. So this week is actually about fine margins a bit. So I've had a look through your team versus mine just to see how you've gotten ahead uh, a little bit. Just to think about what's been going on so far and kind of what the differences have been. Um, I've also de- delved into the team of the week data a little bit actually to see if there's anything interesting uh, to help us explain further what's going on. And I guess we'll also talk through kind of uh, the risk versus reward side, the sort of dynamic we end up at. Um, talk about some pairings and obviously you wildcarded this week, Nick. Much to your chagrin, it's not really paid off, but you've got a, a few reflections, I suppose, on that too. And of course, do the features and of course, take some of the many, many questions from the community. Thanks for those. Yep, thanks for the questions as always, guys. Um, so yeah, that sounds good, Tom. Shall we uh, get started then with the game week reviews? Would you like to go first? Not really. Um, it's not been. A, it's, it's been. I think for everybody, it's been a, a pretty t- pretty hard game week. Um, I've uh, got twenty four at the moment. I've got one man still playing. We're recording during the Arsenal uh, Sheffield United game. Got one man on the bench in Lundstram. who's going to come on for Otamendi. Um, but yeah, twenty four. 24 points plus Lundstram isn't great. The only return I got all week was Raheem Sterling's assist. That was it. But the rest of my team either blanked or didn't play at all. In the case of Osman, didn't play at all. Uh, Son didn't start. Um, and uh, yeah, the big hope, Callum Wilson, um, hoping for lots of goals in that uh, Bournemouth-Norwich game. Absolutely anomalous nil-nil result uh, in that game, basically. Uh, damn my team and set the tone for the rest of it. And it's just been relentless, hasn't it? How poor it's been. Like, I, I genuinely can't remember. I think from game week, I think game week three was the last time I hit more than 60 points. Like, it's been really, really poor. I'm still sitting at 1.5 million. Like, I know we're all bunched up and stuff, but yeah, it's definitely testing a lot of patience. I was quite glad, actually, that we got, got a lot of questions this week. So I was quite, uh, I was expecting there to be total disengagement and disenfranchisement with, with FPL. But I think we're all in it together and all having a terrible time. So yeah, hopefully next week's going to be better. Uh, what about you, Nick? It, it wasn't it wasn't great to be honest. Yeah, so a little bit disappointing when you when you wild card and you change things up and uh, 
and everything kind of goes to pot. And um, I think actually my um, my team would have done better if I hadn't wild carded because I had the likes of Luca Dean and also played Sergio Rico. So Rico's on my bench, sitting there as first sub, eight points, which is a bit frustrating. Team got 32 in total. So it is a red arrow. It was actually looking like a green um, for some reason as of last night, which just shows how, how poor a game week is. But since then, um, the auto subs have kicked in. I've gone down about 70 places. A bit frustrating, but yeah, it's only um, returns were Tamori, um, got five points because he got yellow card as well, and uh, Raheem Sterling, who you mentioned, so uh, not not great at all. Yeah, it, it's been it has just been. Oh, is it, I've run out run out of words to describe how it's been to some extent. And I guess today we're going to be continuing kind of to look at a, f- a few things around um, how the season's gone. Like we know that some people are absolutely flying. For example, FPL Chef did me a bit of a favour on Twitter and said that m- my work on value was why he uh, is doing so well this year. If I'm going to take my own advice, but well done to well done to Chef and others. Um, but on an overall level, it's fair to say it's been a bit of a difficult one uh, for many. And you know, we looked at, looked at this with a great problem about this ball the other. Uh, uh, two weeks ago um, now and I guess we're kind of adding a couple of new dimensions today just to kind of see how the season's going and kind of just check in on, on what might be happening and we don't often do this actually we don't often focus on our own teams very often because we, we are trying to kind of give advice on a higher level but uh, for the first thing I think in, in terms of the theme uh, the topic of uh, fine margins I just wanted to go over Nick uh, so um, our teams and how you've gotten ahead uh, this year just because it's always, it's a fascinating exercise just to do quickly because you, like there's a 33 point gap um, accepting tonight's outcome um, between you and I um, your OR is at 380k and mine is 1.5 million um, throughout the course of this season, we've only yet, we've captained the same guy every week except once, which was in game week seven, uh, when I captained Son and you captained Salah. And actually, I, you only I only gained four points when you threw that. You've beaten me basically every week, and I had a look for why, and the why is is, is really interesting <laughs> because our teams have been so similar for the majority of the time. It's just been these sorts of instances. So game week two, you scored 52 points. I scored 42. The why, you had Lucas Moore and Josh King. They got That's six a, points each. An excellent picks there. Moore yeah, and yeah. King as well. And I, I had Jota and Fraser. They both blanked. Um, game week four, you had a Zinchenko clean sheet, um, whereas my Jota blanked again. Uh, game week five... You had a uh, Todd Cantwell scoring you the goal, uh, whereas uh, Shabelos, uh, my player, failed. Game week six, KDB Vice versus Salah Vice, and the last two game weeks, you've beaten me, but I've beaten you by one point. You've beaten me by one point, and this week, pretty much, it's Tamori. It's the only difference between the two of us. Absolutely, just crazy stuff. Like all of these little sort of moments are the, are the things at the moment which are separating us. And as, as I've just mentioned, you're four hundred eighty k. I'm one point five million. Like, okay, we spoke about the captains of Alex, but do you think these little sort of extra moments are? Do you think they're going to even out? Like, How would you describe those? I don't know. When you mentioned the players that have sort of returned me in terms of the differences, it does does seem a little bit jammy, to be honest, in terms of some of those assets. I mean, they're not particularly players that you'd expect uh, massive hauls from, but, you know, they, they delivered on the day. Um, they caught my eye, clearly. I mean, other players like Trebeos, you might have said it was a bit, a bit too much of a risky punt, perhaps. I don't know. But... Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it is fine margins, as you said. It's these captain picks we talked about um, last week or the week before when we were talking about how, you know, picking between Sterling and Salah would have made, you know, about 30-plus points overall. Those Liverpool clean sheets, if we got them, would have made such a huge difference as well. But yeah, we've been picking the wrong captains week in, week out, and other people have been as well. And now it's just, I think for everyone, no, no one can find any points just because none of the none of the premium assets are performing at all. They're all blanking, which is, <laughs> oh, at least we're all kind of in the same boat. Like, you know, it, it's rubbish and you feel really, you know, crappy when you have a really bad game week and you're looking around and you're seeing all the people on Twitter with their 60 points, their 70 points, and you think you're looking at your 30 and 40, thinking, Christ, you want to get up now. At least when we're on 30 or 40 points or whatever, 30 or 20 points, I haven't really seen any big calls. I think the highest I've probably seen is about 55 or 60 online, to be honest. I don't know if you've seen any massive hauls, but it seems like the last couple no. of weeks, um, everyone's been suffering. Like all the all the premium players, all the captain picks have been blanking. Even the differential picks have been blanking. You know, the likes of um, Pookie as well, who I've sold, um, um, have getting one point two weeks in a row, looking like a good decision. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
yeah, it's just, it just doesn't seem to be um, much working out for him. I think you you've got you looked a little bit at the team of the week, haven't you, for the last few game weeks? And uh, you know, some of the players that are in those teams of the weeks, it's, um, it's really it's just become very very hard to predict. You know, who'd expect Jan Matt, for instance, to be hauling against Spurs and be the top scorer this week? No, not expected at all. Yeah, exactly. Those sorts of players are just just coming through, aren't they? Like. You'd, you'd be hoping an end has a start with this sort of thing that it, it, you, we are going to find that it, things are going to turn the corner. But I think there's definitely been the case that the quote-unquote template formed very, very quickly, didn't it? And I think people did start to think, including myself, that, oh, I can't go without this guy, I can't go without that guy. And actually, it, we were so early on into the season that I just think it was just a bit too early for it to all come together and us all to congregate around certain players. Like, what's really interesting is that this week, for example, the top 15 own players, uh, VVD, Abraham, Sterling, Mount, Pookie, KDB, Lundstram, Salah, TAA, Mane, Aguero, Aubameyang, Kelly, Button and Campwell. Um, the highest score of any of those players so far, let's see what happens with this, the rest of this game. Lundstram, yeah. It's, yeah, it could be Lundstram if he gets a clean sheet or it, it's Raheem Sterling with five otherwise which is absolutely ridiculous isn't it uh, meanwhile all of the top scorers this week Alonso Grealish Yang Matt Barnes uh, is Harvey Barnes oh, yeah. that is and David Silva um, are the top five only Silva and Rashford of the top 15 uh, scorers this week have ownership over 10% they've got likes of Jao Cancelo 0.9% who scored the top highest Sidibe 0.2 it's absolutely crazy at the moment. it's really really hard to j- just wrap your head around what's going on you mentioned a second ago I looked at the team of the week data um, so this was FPL JB on, um, on Twitter he looked I think it was last week he looked at the points the team scored that week and the, and the week before sort of thing what I did was I looked through all of the team of the week data and I kind of compared that, so the points they got that week, to the points they got the next week. And basically, I proved that team of the week is an absolutely useless measure of, <laughs> of uh, predicting anything. An average of three players per week will return again. Uh, the average team of the week score is 133. Um, but the average score the next week is 40 uh, for a team of the week. That's over the first eight, which is absolutely crazy. Um, and four, 14 players have appeared twice in team of the week. But Nick, only two players have appeared three times. Who are they? KDB. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I was going to say Sterling. No. Yeah, you're in the right ballpark. Mane. Yeah, Mane's one. Who would the second one be? Um... Aguero, Salah. I'll give you a clue. His brother's name Timmy. <laughs> what? It'll make sense. It's a Tammy, Tammy Abraham. Tammy Abraham. His brother is actually called Timmy, which I found out today. <laughs> I'm hilarious. Does he play football as well? Yeah, he does. He's a forward for Fulham. <laughs> um, get, this week is on course to be the worst week um, in terms of team of the week as well, with no no players returning um, after uh, Arsenal conceded, unless David Luiz scores a last-minute goal or something like that. Um, so it just goes to show that on, on all sort of measures at the moment, we are really struggling to try and figure out what the hell is going on effectively. There's a real ocean of the night about uh, how things have been going, because it has been you know four or five weeks where... Yeah, it has really been a bit of a struggle. And I guess what that leads us on to then is the fact that you've got this kind of risk versus reward thing going up because players are super bunched up and, and it's more about kind of how you make a difference. So we spoke about that with Dare a little bit and a few people did ask questions of us this week about that too, Nick. So Steve King asked a question. Uh, he said, if the template is broken or at least needed some TLC, is it time to become more differential? And FPL Finch asks us like, do we template up or go wild at this point? So, for example, he uh, attached the gif of Rashford and said, I'm planning on getting this guy in. Um, so, Nick, this is quite interesting for you to reflect on your wildcard summits then because you've had two teams. You have one team which is a little bit more differential, you know, you've got big powers sorts of guys and the team you ultimately went with, which was, uh, fair to say, a little bit more template. Like, how do you think about that now? Like, do you think you should have gone the other way on reflection and kind of differentiated more? Are you happy with your kind of templation? You do always say, for example, keep calm and follow the template, don't you? Yeah, I have said that before. But I mean, like, to be honest, like the second team that I ended up going with got a lot of praise whilst the first team got a lot of criticism. And maybe I should just ignore the criticism and say, you know what, I'm just going to go with the my initial thoughts, uh, which was a bit, of a bit more of a kind of 
power four, it had Aubameyang in there as well. And Aubameyang was going to be the captain. So maybe ask me the same question at the end of the game in case something happens. I might change my answer. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, this team I've got now has a very strong bench. Maybe that's worked to my disadvantage uh, this game week with the Rico eight-pointer. But I would have probably played Rico and I'd have had like a, a setup which was looking like it was going to end up with um, Winston Reid and or um, still hanging on to um, Mason Greenwood. Whilst now I've got a bench this game week of Rico, um, Aaron Connolly and, uh, and Lundstrom. So I've ended up with a lot, a lot stronger bench, a lot, start, uh, lot stronger starting 11 as well, because that starting 11 also was including um, Todd Cantor. So um, at the end of the day, my team is a lot stronger on paper. I've spread the budget a little bit more whilst, you know, before that I was going for Bam Yang, um, KDB, Sterling um, and someone else, uh, Salah or Mane, I think, as well. So it was, it was quite a... Um, Power front four team is a bit more differential, perhaps, with the Aubameyang pick. But right now, I've got some a bit. I feel like the team's a bit kind of better spread out with the likes of Madison and stuff making the numbers, as opposed to having Cantwell as the fifth midfielder. So it's, I feel like it's worked out all right in the end, to be honest. I got Callum Wilson. Obviously, I went went with him in the end. Um, he was the uh, swap, um, so I didn't have Wilson in the first draft, but. Wilson came in for Aubameyang and uh, followed your advice there, Tom. I know you uh, you went all Iosi Perez, didn't you, on Twitter and just uh, you know released a released a thread in terms of um, his attacking output, which obviously meant that he was going to blank. And uh, yeah. I even followed you all the way to giving him the armband, which I'm not too <laughs> bothered about, considering no one else would have done well anyway. So uh, yeah, and my highest score was Sterling with five. So no, I haven't really missed out in that regard. No, if there's one result which sums up FPL this season, it is that nil-nil, that Bournemouth-Norwich nil-nil. Like I just Everything was pointing to that being a, a bit of a goal fest, and I just couldn't believe that was the first day that both of those teams kept a clean sheet against each other. Absolutely just... Oh, it's just so it's just so hard to process where kind of uh, when, you, when you see that sort of thing happen. It's, just, it's, so, it's so annoying. And I guess now, looking at my team, like, the fact that I, as I said at the beginning of the pod, like not, I'm not able to get it going. I'm not able to kind of make it work. Like I feel like I'm making the runs for FPL, but they're not finding me with the final ball, sort of thing. So, like, do we end up just differentiating now? Do we? Do I end up kind of making really punty moves? Like that's worked. That's not really worked in the past, has it for me? Like with players like I don't know KDB when he was back from injury, being brought in instead of Salah. But at that point, Sanchez. I was. Just, yeah, yeah, and Sanchez as well. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Thanks for that reminder. Um, but at that, at those, at that point, I wasn't. I was doing pretty well. Whereas now, like I was speaking to Tom Campbell earlier, and he was just like, "It's already a disaster." So, it, I mean, can it get any worse by making kind of these sort of transfers? Like at the moment, for example, I'm looking at. I've got a choice here. I can. I'm moving Son probably this week. I'm probably going to wait till Friday. Um, I've got a choice basically between putting Mane in, which is obviously a very straightforward. No, uh, no questions are sort of move, or whether I take a punt on someone like Mares, someone like David Silva, or someone like Martial. I'm 1.5 million. But I need to make some changes. Do I just kind of go with uh, the, the straightforward option like Mane, or is this season the sort of season where I buy a player like Mares, fully expecting the next two games, Aston Villa and Southampton, be, to be those games where he, a guy like that is going to flourish? Like, it feels like that sort of risk could be rewarded this year, um, whereas in the past faith has been kind of where it's at what are your views on that Nick? Well I think certainly I think there's opportunities to go with differentials you know like I took that gamble on Pepe for instance which uh, paid off um, for that one week pun I think someone else that you could perhaps consider is Callum Hudson-Odoi who's actually appearing in the market forces um, this game week with three assists in a row we've also seen other other players sort of appear from the doldrums you you talked about him in the last pod how he always breaks the stats you know like Jamie Vardy for instance um and Jimenez as well another one that was sort of a bit anti-template but um delivered the goods this game week so I think certainly there is scope for differential I'd be I'd be wary about some of the people you mentioned the likes of Mares, the likes of David Silva I feel like there's a little bit um of rotation risk there with those guys so just uh, be careful with that. But um, I think uh, certainly, I think you could, could take risks. I think Martial as well, very interesting option there. You mentioned um, Manchester United's fixtures are turning again, aren't they? So um, 
I would certainly um, I would certainly consider him. I think um, with their run, well, they've got Norwich, Bournemouth, Brighton, Sheffield United, Aston Villa for their next five. You know that could be a really good gamble. You could you could really um, gain some points there because very few people will have him now after his um, lengthy um, injury spell. I know I, I I do I don't mind Marshall, but I, I do because I'm going to be taking Otamendi as well just because he's useless. I don't like him as a player, and uh, I'm just going to take him down to I don't know Tamori or something. Um, but oh, it's, I, I'm really tempted to triple up on City midfield just for this. I, I know there's a rotation, of course I know that. That's that's we might as well just not bother saying that ever again. But having Mares, uh, Sterling, and KDB has I think 0.13 percent of people have that combination. If you want to talk about compound differentials, City are obviously so far ahead in so many of the measures. Um, they've had almost 40 more shots on the shots uh, in the box, for example, than uh, than Chelsea have, and at home they're even more imperious. We've got Aston Villa and Southampton over the next two, and having three of them, like. Okay, it's definitely a bit of a gamble, but for in the eight nil versus Watford, for example, surely it would have been a good thing to have three of them. So two quite good looking home games for City next. I just I quite like that, and I, I'm aware that it could be a complete disaster zone. But equally, the the upside could be very very big because that combination might be highly owned. Probably similar with Martial, though. To be honest, I quite like that. But what about players, Nick, that we already own or? They are highly owned. Like, is there any scope for changing around those guys? Like you mentioned, uh, Cal Hudson Odoi. There, like, if you own Mount, or if you were kind of still thinking about bringing a Chelsea midfielder, would you think, well, okay, Mount's got forty percent ownership or something like that? Would you be thinking that Cal Hudson Odoi is a better option there now, just to kind of climb the ranks a bit? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a decent option. I think Mountain, Hudson, Adoy, I wouldn't like to say one is better than the other, one's a better FPL pick um, than the other. We've, we've not really got enough data, to be honest, to be working off. But I certainly think that both are, are really good options, really good value picks. And I'd, if someone asked me if I recommended both, I, I'd say perhaps I even did. I'd perhaps say, yeah, and just double up on on um, on Chelsea, because the fixtures are still pretty good, you know. Uh, Burnley, Watford, Crystal Palace the next three um, Mount didn't get any points this game week uh, but Hudson Adoy now um, seems to be nailed on in that starting 11 he's got uh, three returns in a row as I said albeit only assists seems like he's really starting to um, you know, show that potential he's obviously a highly, um, highly rated player and uh, fit, fitting in well with the other Chelsea youth products that we've got at the moment uh, so I think both are, are really good picks. I, I would never sort of recommend the sideways move either. I'm not a big fan of that, as you know. So um, not a fan of that, but I, I certainly think he is a good um, option. Hmm. I mean, the, the data we do have is obviously now the ownership data. So I think that if, see, if Cho can keep it up, I think that he could definitely be an option for people just because like, I wasn't very happy paying 0.5 million or whatever it was more for, for, for Mount. I'm just not sure I want to pay 0.8, 0.9 million more and people have bought him at 6.1, 6.2 than have 0.7, 0.8 on you. That's, that's, that's a lot. But yeah, I, I can see why people would go for Mount, I suppose. So I'll keep going for Mount. And the final thing, I guess, is, is the Pookie party. So you've left that. I've left that. And um, Pookie is still... Oh, reveal why I've left that I should probably say uh, but Puki is still one of the highest owned players in the game and uh, has Man United up next um, which is the sort of game of course where Puki is going to do very very well 35% owned um, but in the lower kind of cheap seats I mean you mentioned Jimenez a minute ago which is who I swapped Puki for but if you can't afford to go up a little bit there are loads of options aren't there in that sort of bracket and there's one guy who you like quite a lot uh, Neil Mope at Brighton so they've got two good games coming up at Everton and Norwich. And we're again in kind of short-term punt territory. I know you absolutely don't like it, but I kind of feel like there are a few teams at the moment who do have those two home games in a row. West Ham have got them as well. Like where you can get a player in four of those two weeks and kind of ship them out. And I think Mope at six seems like a nice option because he's so cheap that you can kind of afford to mess around with him like we do say don't mess around with the premiums too much but a player like that like I know you probably wouldn't ever consider it with your conservatism Nick but can you see at least why I'm considering you know a Mares or something like that yeah I think you can consider these players I think obviously um, you know likes of Mopay um, hasn't really 
uh, delivered too much yet, but his um, teammate Aaron Connolly did against Spurs. Got a brace. So perhaps um, you can save an extra 1.5 million as well by, by going for a player like that, you know, and then, you know, really adding a bit of flexibility in terms of um, the rest of your team. If you, if you um, fancy a hardcore gamble, of course, you've got um, Danny Ings, 5.9. Uh, three goals now in a row. You know he he is essentially the form player in FPL right now with those returns. With everyone else blanking, you know, maybe take a punt on Danny Ings. Obviously, um, Southampton's fixtures aren't great. They've got Leicester, City, Everton, Arsenal up next. All tough games, but um, you know he's a player that's in form and at five point nine. You know um, why not? Um, also, obviously, there's um, Wesley again. Villa have some really really tough fixtures uh, coming up next. Uh, 6.1 but you know he, he did very very well in um, the Norwich game with his hat trick so um, yeah you know there's a few punts out there a few gambles um, you know those we thought at the beginning of the season we had all these uh, forwards sort of delivering week in week out like Pookie likes of Ashley Barnes and um, likes of Tammy Abraham as well but you know it has been very dry for them actually and then things are things are changing around um, very much um, the striker is, is back out of vogue and it's a uh, it's it's not big at the back, but it's it's very little at the back at the moment. <laughs> it's sort of like my my dad, for instance, will go and dad watch later. Has gone for a five man defence um, involving lots of cheap defenders that are doing well. So uh, you know, it's, it's working out for some at least. Yeah, I, I think it's just tantamount to such the, the unpredictable world that we're living in at the moment, where the likes of uh, Lundstram, Rico, and Kelly could feasibly have been a fantastic defensive three over the last like five or six games. Like, it's absolutely crazy. Like, it's not an FPL that we're really able to understand. You can probably tell by today's podcast, but it is one that we, I keep on marveling at. Like. I know it sounds like a gambler's fallacy, but surely by Neil Gupta's amazing law of averages, we must, the template has got to strike back soon. Like, surely it has to. Surely this isn't going to continue. <laughs> like, I'm surely we're not going to end up, you know, buying Danny Ings and triple capsuling him, are we? So let's just kind of hope it happens and hope it improves. And hopefully next week we'll be able to talk about something positive rather than kind of continuing the inquest onwards. But hopefully that was vaguely useful. And we'll move on to the features after this break. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Uh, so we're back. We're going to do the feature section now. This is our uh, weekly staple of things that we uh, go through: the market forces, you know, the versus, the Nick pick versus the Tom pick, and uh, and Dab Watch. We're going to part the zombies for a little while, so we've got more time for questions. Uh, they'll return after the, uh, the next international break, just to give an update on how we're doing, um, and also to save ourselves the embarrassment of having to report week after week they're doing better than us. Uh, but let's uh, start with the market forces. Uh, Nick, as the man across the numbers, uh, what are you seeing here? The racing rats appear to be struggling, actually, to, to reacting to the uh, the recent events. Um, and, and I think it's a statement that the uh, the most transferred in player has only actually scored three points in the last two game weeks, uh, and that's Kevin De Bruyne, who was obviously injured, but in this sort of period of uncertainty and uh, you know no template players scoring, no one really knows who to buy. Do we going? Are they going for differentials? What's happening? But KDB, uh, most popular player, most most transferred in player at this moment in time, with um, just hundred thousand transfers at the time of recording. So uh, yeah, obviously um, a lot of people looking at that bit of game up next, and he was injured, so people buying him back as well. He didn't forward all, which is very annoying for me as well because I was hoping to, to cash in on a little bit of money on my wild card, but no. Um, KDB, most transferred in player. Um, so most transferred out actually is Pookie, though, you mentioned, and that's four blanks in the row for him and also two yellow cards. Feels like that party's um, definitely fizzled out and um, started to look a bit lame. Um, you know, the Vardy's time actually have a dist. Pookie's party in the sun and invited everyone over to check out his new boombox because Vardy is the second most transferred in player as well with over 77,000 transfers in uh, right now so yeah people selling Poopy Poopy people selling Pookie people <laughs> buying Vardy um, so yeah uh, that's not really a surprise Vardy's doing very well isn't he a um, few goals in the row um, or three goals in three games now for him. And Leicester's fixtures are very, very nice as well. So looking like a real um, differential pick there. Yeah, no, certainly. I think he's still under 15% owned, sort of 13%, uh, I think it is at the moment. But yeah, he's just one of those, isn't he, that 
it takes a different mindset, I think, to Owen Vardy. You've just got to le- love him and leave him. But like even Hazard used to be, just just leave him in your team, and he's going to do okay over the course of the season. Yeah, you can see that Pookie's definitely losing that sort of ownership uh, at the beginning. Uh, you know, the expectations were that he had the weight of the world eventually on his shoulders, and it just just looks like it's not really worked. But now I've finally sold. I'm sure that his remaining owners are going to have a fantastic time. And to be fair, like they've got United, Brighton, Watford in the next three. Like. As we've said for the last few games, those games are also games that you could easily score in. So there you go. Um, elsewhere, the, the uh, mentioned uh, the guy we mentioned earlier on, uh, Cal Hudson Adoy, uh, almost fifty thousand transfers in by for him now. He's up to six point zero again, but still only two point four percent owned. Um, Aubameyang uh, has been brought in a lot, and uh, Sadio Mane uh, still continuing his uh, quest to overtake Mo Salah. So he's now got thirty percent ownership, uh, and he's up to eleven point eight. And Salah is down to thirty one point two Nick. So there's going to be a momentous occasion, I think, very very soon when the uh, Sadio Mane asserts himself as being the number one uh, Liverpool midfielder do not yours. Yeah, that would be quite exciting, Tom. I think, um, yeah, it's a real strange market forces looking at where people have their fingers in the factories. It looks like it's just three players of the top five have blanked this game week and uh, four players in the top six because Tammy Abraham's the uh, sixth most transferred in player this game week. So, yeah, no real confusion in terms of what to do and what people are doing. Yeah, and you can see that. So, for example, so Salah is the third most sold player with 52,000 transfers out. Dropped to 12.4, and I suspect the fire sale will continue, especially if he doesn't, um, especially if he doesn't play in midweek, and uh, people are looking at Mane or something like that. And also the final two, you got Harry Kane um, sold by 50k. Um, quite a few people actually probably brought him in hoping for a boom against Watford, but it hasn't really quite paid out. And at the bottom of the transfers out is the guy that I'm considering bringing in. It's uh, Riyad Mahrez. 50,000 have also sold him. Um, but it, he, again, is probably going to want to be one of those that I'm hoping I'm going to be able to profit from the tailwind on. I'm hoping there'll be a price drop as well. Um, in the past, if fortune favours the brave, I'm as poor as they come. But maybe this time will be different. And maybe, just maybe, um, if I buy a player like that in, it will come off for me. God, it really is the hope that kills you, isn't it? Uh, all right, let's move on then to uh, to what we're we gonna move on to, Nick. What do we move on to? Thirties. Um, yeah, let's move on to over thirties, and uh, yeah, they've done very well this week actually, um, on the, which is quite surprising. So this is our team of uh, players who are over the hill, over thirty years old, just as we are, um, who are competing basically this year. So my unspecified Matt fan member has taken the reins, and uh, yeah, this week Nick they've uh, scored. 47 points, uh, plus whatever Aubameyang manages. Um, so the transfers this week were Schmeichel and Azpilicueta in for um, the injured uh, Hugo Lloris and also uh, Coleman, who got himself sent off. Uh, 45 points they've got, and they're up to 1.1 million now. So they've overtaken my actual team, which is incredibly depressing. And uh, I'm pretty sure, as, um, I just, just to mention quickly, as on my zombies, I'm, I'm pretty sure my zombies are also going to overtake me because at least Mousset who scored tonight is coming off the bench uh, for Laporte. And also, the, uh, Mo Salah, the captain, didn't play. The vice-captain was on Sigurdsson, who came on for three minutes and scored a goal. <laughs> He's going to get 12 points for the captaincy. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah my, uh, my zombie's got 47 points this week. Oh, that's so depressing, isn't it? Um, they did pretty well as well. Actually, 49 points, sorry, with, uh, with Robertson and Aspen, Equate and Rashford and players like that doing very well. Lucas Dean as well. So they're, um, they're up about 550k in, oh. uh, in rank, just, just to rub uh, a little bit more salt in those wounds. Tom. Oh, no, it's, 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 it's so bad. I, again, like we've been doing the zombies for a year and I can't, I think last year we'd all kind of overtaken by game week four or game week five. I can't believe how much pace they're keeping at the moment. All right. Uh, so, yeah, the over 30s, so, well, that section turns to the zombies, even though we're saying we weren't going to do them. But, yeah, uh, the over 30s at 1.1 million and my zombies somewhere at 1.5. Uh, 1.4 I think actually cares right, the next bit is the Nick pick versus the Tom pick this is a, a pick every week of a player who reflects our, uh, our our respective personalities so Nick's is always a small c conservative pick uh, and my pick's always a bit of a mad scientist pick and last week Nick you chose Josh King um, who got one point because he was rested after international duty with England and uh, my pick was uh, Raul Jimenez uh, who scored seven points and should have scored a lot more um, he got two goals VARD um, which meant that his stats as well are absolutely abysmal for the game but if you do reinstate those stats after the VARing he actually did look pretty good and um, looked pretty sharp I thought um, 
um, so yeah, um, a rare victory for me in these stakes and uh, interesting to hear what your nitpick is going to be this time. So yeah, for my nitpick this week, I've actually gone for Harry Maguire, Tom. So um, Manchester United have not scored um, a, a set piece all year. But I feel like perhaps it's going to be this game week that they can break that duck. We know that Norwich are pretty um, abject defensively, even though they kept a clean sheet last week, of course. But, um, you know, Maguire, he, he is pretty solid in the air. We know, we know that from his um, England heroics as well. And the old slabheads had um, eight goal attempts so far um, this season, Tom. Seven inside the box, um, all headed attempts. And uh, I feel like that's actually, um, that's actually about sixth um, highest for all defenders and uh, you know if you, in, I'm not really saying he's going to get an attack in return but you could fancy um, Manchester United to keep a clean sheet at home to Norwich you'd like to think anyway away so they're, they're away away to Norwich but yeah um, that's my pick anyway no I do like Slabhead actually I've been looking at him a little bit um, just because Basically, Man United's uh, defensive stats have, have been very, very good. The attack has not been great. I'm not, but you can't, you can't really knock the defence. I think they're they're really good actually. I think they're they're a joint bottom for uh, shots conceded in the box, for example, this year. And they've also conceded the second least big chances just after Burnley. So there does look to be some data there. Like Maguire has missed a couple of big chances, and I, I'm. Perhaps not. I think you're right. We're not saying we were expecting an attacking return from him. Um, but the next five United, as you mentioned earlier, are really, really good. You'd be expecting them to bank at least two or three clean sheets from that. Um, so, yeah, that could be a really good pick this week. And I saw the kind of Nick pick there. Uh, in contrast, my pick this week is Jerry D, uh, Gerard Dillafeu. Um, yeah, he'll be back in the team after the injury to uh, Arsenal legend Danny Welbeck and uh, played the full. So it looks like he may be back in kind of contention for full time. Down to 6.1 now, uh, all the way down there. Uh, very, very small ownership as well. But one of these players with a knack of uh, scoring goals against porous clubs. Uh, if you want the porous club, uh, yeah, Bournemouth aren't particularly good. Um, they're fourth. They, for example, conceded the fourth most big chances this year, um, and also conceded the, the fifth most uh, shots on target. So, I think that they, uh, Delafeu, is the sort of player who could make a difference in that sort of game, especially for the likes of Steve Cook, probably not going to be able to handle him. So, yeah, that's my Tom pit this week. I do like a bit of Delafeu actually, even though um, he can only really perform if he's playing Huddersfield or Cardiff. We need to find who those teams are this year. So maybe it'll be Bournemouth. Who knows? Although they were stalwarts against Norwich, weren't they? Yeah. And the uh, <laughs> the final thing this week, Nick, is, is Dad Watch. And as you alluded to, this is probably just going to deepen the depression for many people. And uh, Dad Watch, Nick, I take it away. How's he been doing? So, yeah, he actually had um, a really good week again. He got uh, 50 points um, this game week. So, yeah, blood runs through our veins. Um, but that's where our similarity ends in when it comes to FPL this season, Tom, because, uh, yeah, he's been doing brilliantly. He's back in the top 100k with 50 points. He's gone big at the back, actually. He picked up four clean sheets um, this game week. Uh, Rico, Edison, Dean and Tamori all um, getting him returns. And, and Vardy um, did the business as well. And he's, he's also got all his chips as well. So still got that wild card intact as well. So yeah, great week for for my dad this week. Oh, good God! Well, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. So I'm, I'm a little bit depressed because because it's full time in that Sheffield United game. It's one nil. Bittersweet because I've got six points for Lundstrom off the bench. It takes me up to the lofty heights of thirty for this game week, Nick. I've had a thirty point game week. Very very exciting. And so it means that I don't drop that far. But um, yeah, a combination of uh, Arsenal losing and hearing how well Ian's doing have uh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, finish me off, I think, for this session. So I'm going to go off and have a break now. And we'll be back in a minute for the questions. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? So we're back and it's um, time to catch up with the Who Got the Assist mini league. Um, lots of low scoring um, points for the guys at the top again. But one guy who did really well was um, Declan Rin with um, the Wesley Crushers. Even though um, two of his players didn't turn up, he still managed to get 56 points. Um, which is going to become 60 points, actually. He misses out, unfortunately, on the Lundstrom six points as his third sub, but 60 points for him this game week. And that's with the Kane um, captain as well. So um, did really well. I think Alonso, Robertson, Edison getting in loads of points in terms of the defence. Hudson-Odoi, nine-pointer as well. And uh, Vardy as well, um, eight-pointer. Really doing the business for him, and he's uh, right up there in terms of overall rank. Currently, he says um, 95, but the league... 
um, overall in the world, which is fantastic. But the league is still updating as well, so that's easy change. Um, some of the other guys up there, Alec Feinhold, uh, Fred the Red, uh, doing very well. Uh, Christina Hogseth, Christopher Marshall, Enes Kaladi, our good friend FPL Chef, doing fantastically well as well. Uh, Gate and Debecca, Evan Guest, Omar Magrabi and Saheed Olujumeji, um, all doing very well. That's the top 10 at this current moment in time, but that could easily change. So apologies if um, someone captained John Lundstrom and um, I didn't mention the team because I didn't have the chance to, to review everyone. But uh, yeah, um, well done all the guys that um, are doing very well this season. Fantastic work. Yeah, lot, lots of familiar names there, aren't there? But it seems like there's a, a bit of a stranglehold going on. But Declan's just uh, just got into first. So uh, very interesting to see what happens uh, there as we go forward. Just one thing to mention, which is that this year's uh, Christmas party is going to be held, uh, for FPL that is, uh, is going to be held on the 13th of December, uh, 6pm onwards at the Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill um, in London. Uh, we're hosting this year in collaboration with uh, Fancy Football Hub. This year it is, uh, again, at the Marleybone Sports Bar and Grill, 13th of December. December at 6pm. Don't worry, you don't have to tell me if, if you're coming or anything like that. Um, I think we've booked out an area for about 20 to 30 people as usual. But I mean, last year we got, I mean, Nick, about kind of 40 people. So I hope people last year, yeah. Yeah, hopefully we can get 50 or 60. But yeah, if you can make it, definitely do. I know people are making plans to kind of head over, even from like places like Northern Ireland or something like that. Uh, so, so please do make it. Everyone's really, really nice, really friendly, and it's really good to kind of put a name to uh, all sorts of FPL accounts, etc., etc. As a, a really great uh, event every year so definitely try to do if you can 13th of december that's a friday at 6 p.m cool right let's move on to the questions now we've got quite a few this week uh, the first one is a, a little bit of a jokey one to get us into it it's a ketan chopra who asks us do we enjoy the football more now that fpl was a total poo show <laughs> yeah um, I, I think that that's a, that's quite an interesting one i'm not sure that uh, everything really is a pure watch even if we're not doing very well well i think um based on our club's um, results as well <laughs> we're not really enjoying the football either i mean as a spurs fan it's been utterly miserable to last month or so watching us we've just been uh, absolutely terrible and just even like getting the point against Watford felt very bittersweet considering the defeats against Brighton and, and Bayern Munich etc that we have, we've seen in the last few game weeks so yeah it's a bit of a bit of a downer at the moment I'm sure you're not particularly happy after that Sheffield United one deal even though you did pick up your John Lindstrom points um but always nice um uh, for me as a Spurs fan, see Arsenal suffer as well. But uh, yeah, it's um, been a bit weird. Um, I do quite like watching the pure watches, you know, like sort of Everton versus West Ham, even though Luca Dean wound me up a little bit, like just watching that game, knowing that I didn't have any assets, didn't really care who did well, um, was quite nice. And it's always nice to kind of, you know, try and um, let FPL take a little bit of a backseat as well. Because I do find sometimes when I'm watching these games, like if my captain's playing, for instance, I just... I do get a little bit worked up, just kind of like wanting them to do something. And then you're just like, you end up just sort of spending two hours just stressed. And you're like, why, why don't I even bother watching this football match? I could have just like read a nice book or watch a movie or something like that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just spend my week last two hours, especially the three o'clock kickoffs as well. Like I watched those this week and well, I didn't watch them. You know, I was following the, the sports um, news show. And after, at the end of it, it was like 5.30. I, just, I felt so... Um, Felt so rubbish after the uh, the five eight victory. It's like, oh, why do I even bother? You know. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, watching football is always fun. I really enjoy watching football, but sometimes, yeah, it's nice to kind of take a little bit, of, um, put FPL to the back of your mind, and just actually enjoy the enjoy the game rather than just thinking about the players you own. Uh, I just, I'm just not able to do that. I don't think. Like, I'm a fragile thing. You should know that by now. And I should be careful what I put myself through. And FPL certainly is a, a, on days like Saturday, a, a very, very hard thing to to go through. I mean, I was in Liverpool this weekend with a friend, and uh, I think between kind of three and five, I was like, just, just, I was looking at my phone, just like, oh my god, this is ridiculous. And um, it's actually quite good actually in some ways because because I, I was with my mate and then like, we were just playing on the PlayStation, and I, I could actually take my mind off it, which is great but you know, if I'm sitting you get really really annoyed and there's moments when uh, you have a bit of a sense of humour fail as uh, our friend would put it and you just kind of go oh you know I've got to just just, just go off for a little while and just calm down because I'm so so annoyed like it's amazing how FPL can get to you in some ways like you get those really kind of ecstasy laden highs and those kind of awful troughs which are the lows and I'm just just 
I think it'll be such a release, so cathartic when we all turn around and get a 60, 70 point game week again. It is definitely going to happen. 80, 90 point game. What am I talking about? 6, 17 there. We don't want that. We want 80 or 90. When that happens, uh, I think we're all going to feel a lot better. But yeah, I'm not able to, especially as you said, with Arsenal being, yeah, uh, basically Sheffield United have turned into the new Stoke, haven't they? And I think we definitely, uh, yeah, it was a really, really poor performance this evening. I've been you know, trying to keep an eye on it as well. We've been talking, as you have too. And it's, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I think um, I think FPL is in my blood now. There's not very much I can do about that. Um, okay, uh, let's move on to the next question then. It's about short-termism. Um, Adam at 352, hey mate, um, asked, with unpredictability rife, uh, should we focus on short-term planning rather than longer-term picks currently? Uh, but funnily enough, people have asked the opposite question too. So Jeremy Lewis and Simon both asked, is it actually time for echo managers to basically go on holiday and do jackal with their teams as this volatility continues? And uh, Andy Penman, in fact, goes one step even further than that, goes all the way to oblivion and asks, does it really matter what we do at the moment? So it kind of gets to the crux of uh, how we're all feeling. And I know we've uh, spoken about it beforehand. And of course, well done if you're doing well. But um, what do you think about that, Nick? About Should we just, should we just give up any vestige of long-term planning and just think, yeah, let's just focus on buying Mara, like I've been saying? Well, I think um, I'm more towards the kind of the Jeremy Lewis and, and Simon side of things in terms of my response. I feel like it's it's certainly not really the time to kind of make lots of changes and take hits. Um, I think definitely not. Definitely wasn't the game week to take any hits. Wasn't the game week, unfortunately, to wildcard either. But of course, I, I went for that. I think now I'm certainly going to be looking at rolling my transfer, having um, wildcard this week and not make any changes, not kind of throw everyone out because there's, there's no one to bring in. And we saw that in the market forces. We don't know who to, no one's informed. Problem Danny Ings, no one's getting returns week in, week out right now. So it, you can't really predict anything. You know, it's, it's too tricky to say what happens next. You can only look at the fixtures and, and try and make some informed decisions. And there are certain truths that will remain true, and that is that Manchester City are a very strong attacking team, which means that no doubt if we trust in our Manchester City assets, for instance, home match against Aston Villa, we should do well, all things considered. But, um, you know, it's very hard to predict what's going on at the moment. So... Um, you know, you can you could try both ways. You could just leave it. You could take a bunch of hits. You know, it might pay off, might not pay off. Who knows? So yeah, just just go wild and, and do what you want to do with your teams. <laughs> That's probably my response right now. Yeah, it really has been crazy season. And yeah, and I know in the past, for example, those people have disliked the fact that the template has been so solid and basically you made gains for other people making mistakes like me selling like a big players like Salah. This year, it really has gone the opposite way where. Um, you know, making those sorts of uh, calculated risky decisions really has paid off and removing players. Like with Pookie, I said it for a long time that the story of him is when to jump off and, you know, we've both, we both took a few blanks from him before we finally sold, didn't we? And I think it's just, it, is, it has been one of those sort of, sort of years where I, I guess taking those sorts of short-term risks, things that have been kind of inculcated into sort of bad ideas have, have really started to pay off. Like it's fascinating, like with um, where I work as well, like with traders and how people react to the market. Like at the moment, the market, uh, I'm, I'm going to digress a little bit here, it's very volatile because Donald Trump tweets about the China trade war and suddenly everyone's on, you know, trading and blah, blah, blah. But there's loads of other people as well who don't trade because it's too volatile. They can't predict it. They can't tell what's going on. And it's fascinating to see that sort of, of characteristic also play out in FPL a little bit for example the questions that Jeremy and Simon have said it's just so volatile I just don't want to touch it it's one of those things where there's no no real answer um, I just without the benefit of hindsight it's, it's really difficult to tell because there are loads of things where experience tells me to do one thing and you know, my my kind of gut, my whim, my initial instincts is do another. And this year, I have tried to play it very as safely as possible after last year's debacle with taking a lot of kind of uh, risky moves. And to be honest, it's not really paid off. So I am beginning to think now is the time to time to go a bit mad and and do something a little bit different. I, I'm not saying mad mad as in go go and catch the Maras. I'm still going to catch in De Bruyne or something like that. But I, I just think it could be uh, it, it just could be that sort of time to do something different because we do. Have have a template which isn't performing there's gonna be a whole load of players who are not going to deviate from the template because that's what they do that's how that that has worked for them in the past 
it's just the case of having a few players, I guess, who are able to to be a differential for you and having that kind of compound differential in your mind, so having a combination of players, which is lower range, is obviously very, very good. Yeah, it's tough, as a, as a wise man would say. Right, uh, moving on, there's something a bit more a bit more targeted. The Vardy Party or the Madison Meetup? Um, there's a few questions on these guys. So, for example, FPL Cash asks out uh, which one of these two we're fancying. And FPL DC asks if Vardy is a must-buy right now. Let's take uh, Cash's question first, Nick. What do you think about these two? Uh, which one you... I mean, you've got Madison, actually, haven't you? So wh- why did you choose Madison over Vardy? Is it just price? Yeah, yeah, for me, I think it's mainly about the price and who I could afford. Um, you know, I, I've always been one to, to favour the midfielder over the forward as well. But I think um, I think Jamie Vardy um, is a really good pick right now, especially in this sort of period of where we aren't seeing too many informed players. Vardy seems to be one of those players that always will deliver. He's been very, very reliable, really, over the course of the past few seasons. You know, every season he's scoring about 15 to 16 goals. You can, you can trust on him, basically, to score week in... Um, you know, every other week, and you know, you're not really seeing that sort of um, reliability from um, from other assets out there. So I really do like Vardy as a pick. I mean, the nine million has always put me off. I've always found him a little bit too expensive for my own taste, personally. So um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know, but he does have six goals and one assist so far. So perhaps um, with Leicester's fixtures, um, he does need to be strongly considered by managers. I certainly wouldn't say he was a must-buy or describe anyone as a must-buy right now. Um, I think with Madison, um, he needs to be strongly considered. And I'd also um, I'd also give a shout-out for um, Yuri Thielman as well, who's doing very well and um, only 6.4. He's picked up a couple of goals now and an assist as well. And um, he's actually outscoring Madison uh, by one point. So, um, you know, I think there are definitely a number of options um, in for Leicester as well, and with their fixtures, you know, they only really play Arsenal out of the top six in the next um, in the next eight game weeks, so eight or the next nine game weeks. So, uh, you know, they do have a really good run of fixtures, um, and yeah, definitely um, would recommend a Leicester attacking player. I'd also perhaps um, give a shout out to Pereira as well in defence. Um, six million, a bit more of a premium pick in defence, but um, definitely has shown that he can deliver in terms of attacking returns. You know, a luxury differential, much beloved of Neil Murray. Um, yeah, with, with these two, um, I see what you're saying about Vardy. I think it's it's, it's a definitely a, a different state of mind with Vardy. He has got he has to be regarded as a as a latter day Eden Hazard. Just set him and forget him, catch him every now and again. But just expect that he's going to score in all sorts of games. Like he's just he's a player who just defies like the stats as well he's the player that you need to watch really to get a handle on because if you look at his days you think this is a terrible footballer but actually what he is is, is a fantastic little scavenging predator uh, Madison a bit more of a, a bit more of a tough one because he looks very good doesn't he when you eye-catching as a footballer but in terms of the end products like last year I wasn't really convinced but we've got a few free kicks things like that creates most chance of any player last year of 99 I think it was um but I'm still yet to be convinced that he's going to be able to produce week in, week out. Like him and Jack Grealish, although they are different players, different sorts of players do uh, do kind of fit into that category of players. I'm just not not too sure about, but always look very, very good when I watch them play. As you said, but. As you said, the kind of the teams they're playing are, are very, very good. The fixtures are nice. Um, you, you do have some uh, a, f- a few away games there, though: uh, Crystal Palace and Brighton, um, where you, they're going to come up against, up against defenses who are sit deep and try to block. And Madison might be very good for those now because he'll be taking more of those pot shots from outside the box. He really is a bit of kind of a, a latter-day Lampard sort of character, just taking lots and lots of pot shots. So that's what you're kind of hoping for, and you're hoping that you can be able to still retain your bonus after. He um, gets penalised for the shots of target. So, yeah, I, th- I think either is an acceptable option. You've got to think about other players around that sort of bracket. As you said, Vardy, 9 million. Could you do better with, I don't know, Jimenez at 7.1? Then you've got 1.9 million to play with. Madison, could you get a Tiedemann? Could you get, um, I don't know, some other player in that cheap bracket, a Mason Mount or a Cal hudson Adoy, and have more money to play with? Oh, maybe. Like, for me at the moment, Madison's spot is taken by Mount. Vardy's spot is taken by uh, Callum Wilson. I don't have that extra million to play with. So I'm choosing to avoid Leicester for the time being because I've got players in that I like more. It's just a case of what you kind of uh, judge to be the best, I suppose, going forward. Um, But yeah, I I like them both. And I probably would 
kind of if if I had to choose one, go with Vardy actually, just to just to set and forget basically. Right, next question, Nick. Yep, the next question is about captaincy conundrums. So um, Samit Bojani is hating his captains at the moment, as we um, spoke about in the first section, and um, asks, how do we even choose these anymore with fixtures for my test rotation all playing a role in the failures we're seeing? Um, we've had a similar question from FPL Fool, who's asked, is it time for differential captains? Well, the differential captains didn't really pay off this game week, did they? I mean, I know Callum Wilson... Um, well, Callum Wilson was a bit of a differential captain, to be honest. I think it's the first time that either of us um, went beyond the sort of Liverpool Manchester City player, and it probably was the first time for many um, to take a little bit of a gamble this game week. Um, uh, so, yeah, um, that didn't really work out. I know some people tried to captain Pookie as well um, this season, as well, in games like Norwich versus Burnley, which didn't work out. So, I'm not sure if it is time for the differential captains. I feel like I feel like you still got to kind of put your faith in the Manchester City apps assets at least for this game week um, at home. It is basically the the team with the biggest goal threat against the team that have conceded the most chances um, at home. So it definitely feels like the time to kind of put your faith again. Personally, for me, in a Manchester City player, so that's probably what I'll be doing. I'm not going to be taking any risks with the captain. I think um, it's probably going to be Sterling for me, and I know that you know as. As Sumit said, they all seem to be struggling for form and we're seeing lots of captain blanks, unfortunately. Uh, but, you know, I don't, think this, I don't think this is going to last forever. As I said, you know, all things considered, we know that Manchester City are a fantastic team. We also know that Liverpool are a fantastic team and, uh, and they'll be competing for that title right until the end of the season. No doubt, the rest of the top six you can you can throw them away. As far as I can, I'm concerned right now, apart from maybe Chelsea. But um, yeah, I think uh, I still personally for me, I think I'm still going to go back to putting my faith in those um, in those players at those teams um, for the next run of fixtures at least. Yeah, I think you're right. Like it breaks if you don't force it, and it breaks if you don't try. And in, in this regard, especially, like all right, we've had a lot of basically bad luck with the captains but a great point Alex Ball made last week which really stuck with me is that like all of these captaincy choices were all choices that we made with all the data being understood they're all considered they're all weighed up and they're all choices I would make again not knowing what I know now um like you know who would have thought that you know captaining as you said like some sort of differential like Yamat or something would, would pay off like or Steve Cook I think was the captain of the guy who had the highest score on Saturday night <laughs> like absolutely crazy stuff that's not going to happen like to be honest there's a reason behind all of this like why we always look at teams like Man City and why we always kind of seem to have a template which forms um, regardless of what your views are and what the template is or isn't um, and that that is that these players the players who form that are, are players who either for form reasons or for the underlying reasons or for fixture are worthy of a place in our consideration like there's only what there's about what I don't know how many how many players are on FPL at the moment, like 450 or so, and there's only really about 100 we actually care about. And in that regard, I think it, the captaincy is the pantheon of what FPL is because it's just you know a good captain is basically what separates a bad week from a good one. And in this regard, like I don't think it's worth going too mad with it. Like with that sort of we, we went through that, didn't we? Remember with Kane and Salah, went through that with uh, a Salah, Aguero, and at the end of towards the end of last year, Sterling and Mane getting on the pantheon. And there's a reason, as you said, because Man City is so good and because Liverpool is so good that it's definitely worth just backing them because more often than not, they are the guys who are going to come through for you, right? <sighs> I can see why differential captains may work every now and again. Like we, I think sometimes you've got to put yourself in in that kind of position to take a risk like Callum Wilson this week like I did with Son against Watford in game week seven unfortunately that hasn't paid off it's not so differential captain is always a bad idea but you have to use it at the right time or at a time which is prime for that opportunity this week with Man City at home to Villa nah play it safe guys because I don't think it's going to be too likely that City are going to do nothing and you'll see I don't know the likes of uh, Callum Wilson explode versus Watford away that would be nice to own him but I just don't think that's going to happen so you can only really do what's sensible make a decision that you can stand by if it hasn't worked out in hindsight and hasn't worked out in hindsight but stay sanguine and just don't get too wrapped up in that and worry about what could have been if you couldn't if you wouldn't have thought of it just just don't worry about it 
Cool. Uh, staying with kind of the, the high-octane Liverpool guys, um, the high-octane players, the next question is Salah for your Mane. Uh, so Saar asks if the, clam- if the clamour for Mane is meaning Salah is becoming overlooked and Oli McCabe asks, is Mane a better option than Salah? So we talk about this a lot. Nick, what's your standard answer here? Well, you know, I have been leaning towards Mane in recent weeks because he's cheaper, which um, is fantastic get an extra 0.6 million which can go a long way in your FPL team to be honest so that's why I kind of sold Salah um, for Mane on my wild card though um, you know as I said before I don't like swapping them out and changing it to stick with the one you've got and uh, and keep him because you'll just be punished by the red brudette um, as I've said many many times they're both very very good players um, I've always been more of a fan of Mo Salah but I do feel like um you know, especially in the last year, that Mane's actually been the the best uh, performer between the two um, in terms of the games I've watched, at least. But I feel, felt like um, this weekend they really did seem to miss uh, Mo Salah's energy um, in the Liverpool attack, and it, they looked a bit blunt without him. So um, he he might come back and absolutely smash it, and it is a bit concerning to see all those people that are selling him in the market forces because um, they got Spurs up next, and we've been absolutely diabolical. Um, this season, I don't like to, to quote this stat because it, it makes me feel a bit depressed. But I think apart from Aston Villa, we've actually conceded the second most shots so far this season. So uh, um, yeah, it's not been uh, not been great. I'm not sure, not quite sure why I um, I put Gazaniga in my um, wildcard team. But yeah, uh, bad times anyway. So uh, but yeah, I think um, both are, are really good picks, and uh, you know they both have um, advantages and disadvantages. Cool. No, I think as somebody who doesn't own either at the moment, I'm I'm becoming more and more interested in Salah with each passing market forces, just because the clamour for Mane is is obviously understandable. I can get that, but the gap between them is is shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. Before long, they're both going to be you know twelve point one or something like that. Um, if all the groundswell is towards Mane, then I mean, it's not true to say that Salah's not going to kind of see a resurgence this year and he's not going to score any more goals or do very well. Like the stats are always hugely in Salah's favour. I mean, obviously, we know that Mane's conversion is higher and he's a better finisher, but Salah does nonetheless offer a fantastic FPL option. He's a poor run of form recently, but when we get to game week 13, and maybe I'm looking to bring him on those players, maybe I might bring in Mane this week. I don't know. But I'd be very interested in Salah just because I think that if there is a, a kind of a, a swing towards Mane, then betting the opposite way is going to be quite fruitful. Um, I think that that could be very, very interesting indeed. So, yeah, I think that Saar maybe is on something that Salah is being slightly overlooked for Mane. And uh, I'm not sure whether we can categorically say Mane is a better option than Salah. And um, we've still got a long way to go. We've obviously got the Christmas period where Salah comes to life, it seems, uh, uh, to come. I think either is a good option, as you said, Nick. It's just that one in Salah could be really good option um, if everybody does desert him and goes on to Mane. So I think he will be back, right? Yeah, 100% he'll be back. So um, I had another question from um, John at Sprites John. He's asked us if the strong bench idea still holds up as he's got uh, Lundstrom and Rico coming off the bench for Salah and Otamendi. So that's fantastic for John. I think um, you, could, you certainly can go cheap at the back. Um, you know, you mentioned Kelly as well, Martin Kelly. Um, who's injured now, but um, doing very well as well as another very cheap uh, defender. And it's just the cheap defenders are just bossing the uh, the more expensive ones at the moment, especially this game week with Rico and, and John Lundstrom. John Lundstrom's just had an absolutely ridiculously good season so far, I think is certainly the, uh, the best value pick <laughs> possible this season, hasn't he been? And um, yeah, I think so. I think, you know, I did have my team, which was very... Um, very sort of rubbish bench and then have changed things up a little bit um but yeah i think you've, you've got a few players coming through as well you know the likes of aaron colony i mentioned a few times on the pod already as well another 4.5 million forward that seems to be um shining as well so i don't think you do need a strong bench i certainly wouldn't be looking at a team and i've seen sort of team structures set up before where they've got like a six million or 6.5 million player sort of benched week week in week out you certainly can get away with having the likes of Rico and Lindstrom on your bench. And if they're coming on um, and delivering clean sheets, then, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong at all with that strategy. 
No, so no, we said the start of the season, didn't we? Four million is is its value if they get one point off the bench, let alone six or seven, <laughs> like consistently. Uh, I mean, Lundstram, as as you heard earlier, saved my week to some extent, or well, got me to thirty at least. And um, the strong bench idea, uh, I just don't think it quite quite tallies up at the moment, John, just because you've got these great options who are playing. Um, we have an embarrassment of them. And we also have players like Soyonchu and uh, Tamori who benefit from the, from the fact that FPL opened early. Uh, so they're undervalued by 0.5 and uh, have basically provided fantastic value for money. So, I mean, do we need a strong bench at the moment? No. Will we need one over Christmas? Well, maybe. But if Lundstram and Rico and the likes of you know, Kelly or whatever are all stepping up and playing we might have extra money to push onto the pitch. And it's just the case of kind of thinking, well, how are we going to use that or deploy that effectively? But yeah, I mean, this year we have had a couple of godsends really in Lundstrom and Rico particularly. Um, so it could just be a bit of a favour for FPL managers. Like, okay, the game isn't going that great, but the game, as uh, Joe F. has said, uh, has thrown us a bone. So uh, maybe we can uh, use, that, use that extra cash to fund, uh, you know, some sort of superstar team later on down the line. Okay, uh, speaking of funding uh, players in, let's talk about transfers and captains this week. Uh, Nick, you are on your wild, you well, you were on your wild card, so I'm guessing you don't want to be making any changes this week, do you? And uh, who's captain going to be? Is it is Raheem, you said? Yeah, no, I'm not making any changes this game week. The whole idea of my wild card was it wasn't just for one game week. I'd be sticking with these uh, with these players for a few game weeks and the, the fixtures all look nice. So, um, Already very tempted to get rid of Gazaniga in goal, who looks like he might have been a little bit of a mistake, especially with that Liverpool fixture looming. But yeah, no, I'm not going to be making any changes. And I will be captaining Raheem Sterling this game week, Tom. Um, what about yourself? I heard you mention Kevin De Bruyne earlier. Yeah, I'm going to be captaining De Bruyne, I think. Um, I think he'll be at the uh, at the centre of everything. Um, I, I am expecting, I mean, it didn't quite happen this week, but I'm expecting uh, Mendy to eventually free up Sterling to, um, to to move inside a little bit. But this week, Sterling did stay wide a little bit. Um, I, I think that Kevin De Bruyne is going to be at the centre of everything, really, for Man City. I mean, keeping an eye on obviously what happens midweek, but uh, I feel like De Bruyne is a, quite a solid choice because he's probably he's got to be immune to rotation, right? You, you've got to hope that. And as for transfers, I did one on Saturday night. I did Pookie out for Jimenez um, before he drops. That was Pookie, so I could do the one for one. Um, and I was able to keep the door open effectively by doing that move early um, for Mane to come in this week for Son and Otamendi to go for Tamori. Um, however, I, I'm thinking about that a little bit more because I've got, yeah, I, I could buy Mane in now and just kind of keep him or I could go uh, do something a little bit different and uh, really target these two Man City fixtures so with Otamendi going um, I have a Man City spot three so I'm really considering bringing in Mares, having the three amigos uh, I'm not talking about Mars, Kylie and uh, Don there but uh, Mares, uh, KDB and Sterling uh, against Aston Villa and Southampton uh, Captain KDB basically just go all in on City and see what happens I don't think I've ever tripled up in midfield before but that could be really really cool could be Davidson Silver as well, of course, depending on who plays in the week. Um, at the back, I could, I could, you know, bring in Tamori as I was thinking about, or I could, you know, go back to Robertson, or I could get Maguire, your pit this week. I was considering him too. So, yeah, quite a lot to think about. Um, I think I'll wait until Friday when I've got maximum information. I'll let all the price changes happen. I was very close to making a change last night because Son drops. Um, but I think I'm just going to leave it, wait on it for the time being and kind of see what happens uh, over the course of uh, over the course of the week, I suppose, of all the midweek football and European action. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, yeah, Kevin De Bruyne has got to be my captain this week. Yeah, sounds great. I think Jimenez is um, a really, really good pick, actually. Someone that I'm considering how to get him in myself, just looking at Wolves fixtures. They've got like a fantastic uh, run of games coming up. And uh, yeah, I think he'd be a really good pick. So yeah, thanks uh, thanks for listening, guys, and thanks for, for getting through uh, this pod. I know it's been another tough game week, but uh, yeah, just to say who we are, we are who got the assist. You can find us on Twitter at WGTA underscore FPL, and that's WGTA underscore Nick. And make sure to listen, subscribe across the podding spectrum. And if you want to join our league, the league code is EIKX03. Cool. Uh, there's a theme every week. Uh, last week it was the Libertines uh, with Alex Ball way back when. This week, uh, along the same themes, Naughty's Indie, which we obviously love. But yeah, uh, hopefully uh, next week we'll come back to you after scoring 80, 90, 100 points. And we've all done very, very well on templates brought back. Uh, but in the meantime, I hope this is just you and we'll be speaking to you very, very soon. Bye. Bye.
Podcast Network.